Unleash the power of knowledge and connect with the heartbeat of the African diaspora. Download our African Diaspora News Channel app now on Google Play and Apple App Store. Stay informed with authentic and diverse perspectives, breaking news and cultural insights. Immerse yourself in a community that celebrates unity, resilience and progress. Experience the vibrancy of the diaspora at your fingertips. Don't miss out. Empower your perspective today. Search African Diaspora News Channel and join the conversation. Now, I know the title of this video is very controversial, The Making of a Dictator. But trust you me, by the time we're done with this video, you'll actually agree with me that Ghana started off on the right path. But because of the kind of leadership that they've put in office, they veered off the right trajectory. They don't stand for anything. They don't stand for nothing. It's just now a country that's hanging in the balance. No political ideologies, no firm belief, no spine, no leader that is in there for the people. Why do I say this? Because of the international platforms, the president of Ghana is the biggest Pan-African biggest pan-african you'll ever meet he stands on business he speaks for africans he speaks truth to power until he goes home and he backtracks on everything that he says he's a man who has no belief he's a man who says whatever he needs to say for as long as it's convenient to get him whatever it is that he needs and once he gets that he's one and done with you why do i say this because now we are seeing that he's beginning to apply his political muscle and tainting a country that was seen as the beacon of democracy in africa ghana is that place that was the most honest place one of the places that had least cases of corruption now they're ruining the country all because of the person they put in office this is the making of a dictator Hello there, how are you doing? Welcome to another episode of our conversations. My name is Indira Ganga. I'm a business journalist by profession and a digital content creator. And I love coming on here and talking to you guys about black people, Africans, our empowerment, and how we can rise up and take our rightful place at the global stage. You can connect with me on social media at Indira Ganga across all platforms. Now, today's video might not sit well with some or it might be eye-opening for some. That's why we have the comment section. Just let me know what you think. I want to begin by telling you a story. So um, in 2019, I was in China for school and I see these three guys walk towards my room. And as a Kenyan, I'm a Kenyan. So we're always very scared of men locked my door. These three men come knock on my door and I'm like, yep, today's the day I die. And I open and they were so kind. They were so nice, beautiful, dark skinned, gorgeous men. And they tell me they're from Ghana. And I say to them, I like your president and I like some of his ideologies. And they say, like, which ones? And I say, I like the fact I had watched him at the World Economic Forum where he was being interviewed by international media. And he said that it doesn't make sense that African resources do not benefit Africans. Let me just, let me link that bite so you can understand what I mean. Cote d'Ivoire and ourselves, between us, we produce 60% of the world's output of cocoa. 2015, the returns to us, 2 billion to Ghana, 3.75 billion to Cote d'Ivoire, 5.75 billion amongst us. The global cho chocolate market is of 100 billion plus. So you're looking at a situation whereby the farmers 
who produce get something like five to five and a half percent of the global value chain of their of their product. Something is not right there. We need to do something about it. This moment was so pivotal for me as a young Pan-African coming up, a young journalist, because I was like, wow, finally we have leaders that have common sense and have the interest of the continent and their country at heart. And so I share with them some of these beliefs that I had, and it was just very interesting, but they were not convinced. They actually were not convinced because they get hands and they know the man and they live with the man. Then I moved to Ghana, I lived there for two years, and then it all began making sense that the man was very good at international platforms. He had worked out the white man. He knew what people at the international community, both white and the black diaspora, wanted to hear, needed to hear. They needed somebody who sounded like they had the best interest at heart of their people so that they can keep getting money. And the diaspora community wants somebody who is standing on pan-African business, which he managed to do so connivingly well, right? But the situation in the country was very different. Very, very different. The gold in that country, most of it has been sold off to Anglo Gold Ashanti. It's a country that has oil, yet still has poverty. The gold that is being mined, the Chinese have acquired permits fraudulently and they're polluting the rivers. They've cut down trees and all these things go back down to leadership, governance and policy. And they happened under his administration. Now that is not to say that Ghana has not had other bad leaders. The only difference and the reason why this stands out is because Mr. Mann has a microphone at every international platform. He never misses an opportunity to try and paint himself as the savior of Africa, yet his own country is falling apart. And do not get me into the economics. Yes, right now the economy is beginning to recover, but it's beginning to recover from a textbook point of view. In essence, people are actually suffering. Tissue went from 19 cities to 42 cities. Toilet paper, a friend of mine from Zimbabwe said, even when Zimbabwe went through the great financial depression in 2008, the prices of tissue did not double. Do you know how messed up your economy needs to be for that to happen? But did this man care? No. All they did is continue to loot the country dry, give contracts to their friends, give contracts to his kids, to his daughter. But at the international platform, he knew exactly what to say. Now, this is a man who kept saying the diaspora should come to Ghana, the diaspora should come and invest. Do you think he went back to Ghana and did anything wrong? They didn't create a one-stop shop for the diaspora. When you, when you arrive, you can get a visa on arrival. You can um, register your business at the airport. There, wasn't, there was nothing. No systems, no structures were actually built to enable this just word salad he's actually the word salad of africa because they're telling people come and invest right common sense dictates it's been done in ethiopia so it can actually be done common sense dictates that if you're coming and you're coming as an investor and you have proof of funds then there's a desk at the airport where you get visa on arrival you can process an individual work permit and you can register your business there and then and then we link you up with support services. We link you with a lawyer. We link you with real estate company. 
a million and one opportunities that government could have facilitated through policy. But guess what? They didn't. Some of the people that went to Ghana from the diaspora community, they're finding a way to survive. But most of them, they find it really hard. And so some will choose to stay, but they're in between UK and US and, and Ghana, or some just pack their bags and go back because the incompetence in the system is something they cannot fathom because somebody sold them a lie. You know that your country struggles with electricity and water, but you've not created systems where you say you're an investor, come, we'll waive VAT on solar products, you know, come. Um, when you want to whatever, dig a borehole, we'll waive taxes on that. Nothing, just big words, big talk, and looking for the next big stage and, 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 and ensuring that, that you have visibility. He's always talking about reparations. Again, the little money that you have in your country, you're not taking proper care of it. You're not investing it properly. You've not shown that you're somebody that has a plan. So why would anybody take you serious when you're talking about reparations? Tell me exactly why I would take you serious when you're talking about reparations, yet the small money that we give you as loans, you loot all of it. The country is unable to repay its debt. It defaulted on its debt. A country that has oil, that has gold, that has cocoa, that has timber, that has rubber, that recently discovered lithium, cannot pay back its debt. You know why? Because you borrow, you steal, and then what happens? You're unable to pay. Because even your resources, you've auctioned them to the highest bidder. Somebody at a dinner once told me that they were in Dubai in a really high-level meeting. And one of the leadership said, actually, oh, most of the gold here is Ghanaian gold. You guys must be rich. Show me where the money is. And now, that, that political conmanship at the global stage has found its way to the local political scene. We saw this man cancel the convention where Dr. Arikana Chihombori, um, Julius Malema, Peter Obi, and um, Professor Pielo Lumumba were speaking at. But just not that. That was almost like what blew off the lead and people began looking at the president very differently. What actually made me think twice about the president was when um, there was this campaign that was being run in Ghana anonymously. Nobody knew who it was. People had speculations, but nobody had come out to say who who was actually behind it. They were called the new force. And there were these masks and they were pushing for an agenda where they want to change the leadership of the country. They want to take the country back, call leadership accountable. And so they appointed a spokesperson, Shali Abibusi, if I've said that right. And she... She was very vocal. She's been in Ghana for quite a while. She's worked as a journalist. She was my former colleague at GH1 before going to TV3. Tell me why this lady was deported. Tell me why this lady was deported. Somebody that had a work permit, somebody that had been in the country for more than a year, all of a sudden her permit is fake. How, how, how was she in the country the whole year? Somebody that has done philanthropy work in the country, somebody that um, has met politicians, in that country 
what are you actually saying about your country and your systems? But then again, most importantly, what are you saying about yourself? How threatened as a leader would you be that when there's a new political voice coming up, you feel the need to dismantle it in the most disgraceful way by deporting the spokesperson? Now, if Cheddar was the right person to, to, to do the new force, or if Shelly was the right person to be the spokesperson, yes, she's a foreigner, that's a story for another day. Focus on the fundamentals, that there's an alternative voice. There is an alternative voice. And what do you do? You say, I do not like political dissent. And you try to dismantle it. And it did not stop there. New charges of tax evasion were being now slapped on Cheddar. Cheddar is not new in Ghana. Cheddar has been living in Ghana for what? How many years now? Is it today that he's now the face of new force that you've realized that Cheddar is evading taxes. What kind of political gimmicks is the president trying to play? And he just goes, he could have gone down. To be honest with you, he could have, because there are things that you can forgive. There are things that you can, you can look past. You can say, okay, he will go down as a Pan-African because every time he went on the international stage, he brought these issues up, which are very important issues, even though he had challenges at home. Maybe we could have given him a free pass. But just the way he's behaving now, it just makes it very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. How then do you extend such a person, Grace? Don't even get me started when Kamala Harris came to Ghana. And now, after promising Ghanaians that there'll be no LGBTQ under his administration, he was speaking in church when he said this. The man backed down on his comments and said they'll go back to parliament. They'll ensure that everybody is safe and sound. Why? Kaching, kaching. He needed that Kamala Harris check. Why am I making this video? As Africans, we have to be very discerning. As black people, we have to be very discerning. There's so many people who will come up trying to brand themselves as a black messiah and voice of the community. And there's some people who are problematic, but they still speak things that make sense. But sometimes your words have to match the actions. Yeah, you cannot say you're for black people and then go ahead and oppress black people. Then go ahead and dismantle the very systems that black people have worked very hard to build up. Because impunity sets precedence. If you come into a country that is a beacon of democracy and you start dismantling alternative voices in politics, you're setting precedence for the next person that comes in. Another president comes and acts like that for five years and another five years, forget, nobody, we will be talking about it as history. Ghana will lose its, its it will. And it's because I've seen it happen first and in Kenya. So I know, when I tell you I know, it's because I'm speaking from experience. It just takes one leader to set presidents and then that's it. Even with the looting, Kenya is right now tumbling. You know why? Because the previous president looted and now the current president is looting the country dry. You know why? Because there's presidents. Actually, we'll talk about this in the next video. We'll talk about the billionaire African presidents who are living like kings while their people languish in poverty, starting with President William Ruto. Let me know in the comment section if you'd like to see that video. Thank you so much for watching. I'll see you again next time.